This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the MLB Extras Minnesota Twins podcast. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, joined as always by Rhett Bollinger. And Rhett, Friday is the non-tender deadline across MLB. And the Twins are in the interesting position of having 10 arbitration-eligible players. And, you know, a lot of people, myself included, have written about, talked about all the money that the Twins have coming off the books in free agency. But also got a bunch of raises coming out with those 10 guys. And I'm wondering, of any of the 10, are any of them non-tender candidates for Friday? Yeah, it's a good question. Like you said, to have 10 guys is rare. You know, almost you know, almost half the roster is going to be in a raise this year uh, via arbitration. But like you said, uh, they have almost $80 million coming off the books, so they can definitely uh, do this and still make plenty of moves this offseason. Um, really, the only real candidate is probably Robbie Grossman at this point. Although Grossman, you know, still is a guy that can get on base, can serve as their DH a lot. Uh, as we know, he's not a very good defensive outfielder, um, but definitely an on-base guy. Shouldn't cost too much of in terms of the raise. Um, but he's probably their most likely candidate. You know, they claim Michael Reed off waivers. Uh, Reed's a guy that kind of has a similar player, kind of an on-base guy in the minors. Uh, but the difference is Reed can play center field and is known as a better defender. He's younger. He's cheaper. Um, another candidate could possibly be A. Ray Adrianza, but I don't see that happening just because right now the middle infield is still kind of up in the air for the Twins. Uh, you know, even at third base, we know Miguel Sano's there, but he can also move over to first base a little bit. Although now with the addition of C.J. Crone, it's probably not going to happen. But uh, I think Adrian's right now with, with the middle infield being a little bit up in the air, I think he's probably going to be tendered as well. So we could see all 10 guys end up getting tendered, but I think the most likely guy, if I had to put odds on it, would definitely be Robbie Grossman. Putting the 10 in tender. Uh, but yeah, just to go through the full list uh, beyond Grossman and Adrianza, uh, Jake Odorizzi, Kyle Gibson, Eddie Rosario, Max Kepler, Miguel Sano, Taylor Rogers, Byron Buxton, Trevor May. A lot of, uh, lot of money to be doled out there to those dudes, so uh, congrats to them. But, uh, Rhett, you mentioned C.J. Crone. Uh, the Twins made a claim on Crone from the Rays. A lot of people were surprised, maybe surprised and not surprised, by uh, by Crone getting designated for assignment by Tampa Bay. Surprised in that you know, there's a guy who had 28 doubles, uh, 74 RBIs in a career-high 140 games in 2018, but maybe not surprised because it's a Tampa Bay race, right? <laughs> they, uh, they, they take those chances. Sometimes they did it a year ago with Corey Dickerson. Um, they, they, they uh, you know, they, they're very uh, stern about uh, the, the value they place on players. And, and sometimes they make move like this. So the twins uh, swoop up Crone coming off a career year. What do you think of that move? It made a lot of sense. Even at the time when I saw that he was DFA'd, I tweeted out immediately. I thought it was a fit for the twins. The twins needed power. He's a guy that did 30 home runs last year. Uh, I know some fans keep comparing him, to Lo- or comparing him to Logan Morrison, who didn't have a great year last year. We know that. But part of it was because that hip injury. Um, so I, I think it made a lot of sense. They needed a first baseman after Joe Maurer retired. Uh, you know, it's, the only thing is he's very similar as a player to Tyler Austin. Uh, he's more advanced and has had a better career than Austin. And obviously we know Austin yesterday was, uh, was traded for, you know, uh, Lance Lynn at the deadline. So it's going to be curious to see how that kind of plays out and see what kind of is going on with that in terms of will they keep 
Tyler Austin, or, or would they continue to play both of them? They probably could at this point if they want to have them both on the roster. They could play Crowan at first and play play Crowan at first and play Austin at you know DH if they wanted to. But at the same time, uh, they're very similar hitters. You know, right-handed power hitters do better against lefties. So we'll kind of see how they go going forward. The Twins have said it's not going to be for sure that, you know, that's the replacement for Maurer. But at this point, it seems to make a lot of sense to have him at first base as a guy that at 30 home runs and 28 doubles last year was a breakout year for him, former Angel. Uh, so the Twins are obviously hopeful to continue that this season. Yeah, interesting pickup. And, uh, yeah, I mentioned Dickerson a year ago from the Rays, and he goes on to have a, a great uh, year with the Pirates. And maybe Crone will kind of follow that formula. Maybe everybody will come out happy from, from that exchange. Uh, as was the case with the Dickerson move. Um, But also, Rhett, we had some news this week with uh, Rocco Baldelli filling out his coaching staff. He's all set there. Absolutely, yes. They fill out the coaching staff. Uh, So they hired Bill Evers as their final coach, a guy who's been around the league for a long time, Uh, you know, kind of replacing Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith did a lot of the stuff with the catchers before. Um, So it made a lot of sense. He's been a guy that's been with the Rays for a long time. Um, So, yeah, the fact that they have their final, you know, the coaching staff now is done with. They can focus now fully on free agency. Uh, But, yeah, definitely a good hire for them. And I think there's a guy that's familiar with Baldelli from the Rays. So it it made a lot of sense. All right, right. as you said, they can focus on free agency now. And that is, of course, a a pressing question in the Twin Cities and other cities for that matter. But certainly uh, uh, as it pertains to the Twins with so much money, as we said, coming off the books. And, yeah, I wrote the other day this could be a sleeper spender, although it's really it's hard to know exactly how the Twins go about this. Obviously, we know it's difficult to lure top-end free agents to Minnesota as it is, especially in a state of transition as the Twins are in. But, um, you know, there, there's still a lot a lot of pieces to like on this club, uh, some new blood in the dugout with Baldelli, and uh, perhaps some money to spend. I guess the question is, do they spend it now, or do they take another year of a, a transition type of mindset and, uh, you know, wait until their top prospects are developed a little more and, and then maybe, you know, make some major expenditures at that point. Where, where do you think the wind is blowing right now? Well, I think it'll be very interesting to see what they decide to do here. I talked about that in my podcast, sorry, in my Twins inbox this week. Um, you know, the Twins do have the money to spend if they want to this year. Um, but we know, too, they have a lot of prospects on the way. They got Royce Lewis, uh, Alex Kirilov, Bruce Gratterall, the right-handed pitcher. So if they wanted to, they could kind of spend a little bit lighter this year, fill in the holes they need to fill, whether it's, you know, signing for, uh, you know, some relievers, potentially a starting pitcher, but not make that big splash until next year um, because they'll still have money off the books even next year. You know, Jason Castro's contract comes off the books as well. Um, so they're in a good spot. You know, they're a team that has a lot of young talent. Uh, the big question, the, the big key, though, is going to be, you know, as we talked about a million times is, you know, can Byron Bucks and Miguel Sano take that next step? Because if they do, like they did, you know, two years ago when they made the playoffs, they're a different team. You know, if those guys can really uh, be better, that's going to be the big key for them uh, this season. But, yeah, they do have a lot of holes. I, I still see them being active in free agency, but kind of like last year in free agency where they were kind of smart, where they filled in the holes with kind of guys on one-year deals. Of course, we know it didn't work out. At the same time, the Twins did use a lot of those guys um, as trade chips at the deadline and got some talent in return uh, in that sense. So, um, it, it did work in that sense, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to go only on one-year deals, and then guys kind of kind of can get a little weary about coming over your team if they know they could be traded. But I, I do think this team is probably better set up to contend more, you know, in 2020 than 2019. But I still think there's still a little bit of a window there, um, as we talked about with the Indians possibly trading one of their starters. There's a little bit of a window there to maybe compete this year, but uh, I don't see them going after the big guys. We talked about that before with Harper and Machado, but. There is money to be spent, and I do think we'll still see them uh, fill in all their holes that, as needed this offseason. So, Rhett, while we're waiting for actual movement on the hot stove front, 
uh, over at MLB.com. We like to uh, do a lot of uh, analysis of, of the past, right? And uh, we did, for, for every ball club, uh, 10 biggest trades in that club's history. You did the Twins list, of course. What was number one on your list? Number one to me was still the biggest trade for them was the one that Terry Ryan pulled off when they were able to get Joe Nathan and Francisco Liriano and even Boof Bonzer for one year of A.J. Brzezinski. Uh, the Twins already had Joe Maurer ready to go at catcher uh, as coming up in his rookie year. Uh, the, you know, the Giants only got one year of control of Brzezinski. He didn't even have a very good year in San Francisco. Uh, Joe Nathan was probably the second-best closer in the league behind Mariano Rivera while with the Twins. Um, Liriano, when healthy, especially as a rookie, was incredible. Uh, had that amazing year there in 2006 before he had Tommy John surgery. Still had a couple other solid years of the Twins and also was later traded for Eduardo Escobar, which is a good trade for the Twins. And even Bonds had a good rookie year as well. So a lot of talent came back in that trade. To me, that was the biggest one. The second biggest one to me made a lot of sense as well and and getting Johan Santana the way they did. But it was more of a small trade. It was a Rule 5 trade at the time that nobody would have even saw coming. You know, I think the common fan would have thought, okay, great, the Twins traded for a guy in the Rule 5 draft. Maybe he'll be a reliever someday, whatever. But uh, obviously that one changed the fortune of the franchise to get an ace and to get a guy that won two Cy Youngs. But in terms of the actual biggest, in terms of the biggest, I felt like impact in terms of at the time it was also a big trade uh, was the one they being able to get Nathan Liriano like that. Yeah, definitely. And as you say, with Santana, sometimes the, the biggest trades are the ones you only can appreciate in retrospect. Um, and now we annually hold up <laughs> Johan Santana as, as one of the gold standards uh, for that Rule 5 draft and a reason to pay attention to that draft for sure. Um, but hey, maybe, Rhett, maybe we'll have something this winter that will qualify for that list. Maybe How about a Kyle Schwarber trade? I've, I've heard that bandied about with the Twins. That would be fun. Any big trades are always fun. You know, that's the whole thing. It's always fun to look back years after. When they happen, they're fun to see how it happens that year. Uh, everyone loves baseball trades. They're always a good time. Absolutely. It's always a good time to check in with Rhett on all things Twins. Rhett, thanks for doing this, man. No problem. Always have fun. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.